We're back at it. That was a short intro, That man. was a short intro. Our guest was probably going to get into it, and you're just like, yeah. yeah we'll let's skip, let's we'll cut it out because he has a lot of important stuff to oh, say. Oh, yeah. Welcome, everybody, to the Aviation Renaissance with Spencer and Spencer. I am Spencer. That's Spencer. Today, we have Case Todd, PPNC analyst for the Bomb Squad, um, because this whole month has been all about infrastructure and testing, supporting of all of those things that we're doing. So, um, Todd. How are you? That's your last name. I like to call you by your last name. It's a lot of fun. Case, you have been with EPS how long? Six months, I believe. Six months? All right. Where'd you get your start? At the company or in general? In general. (laughs) In life, you know. Um, like little tiny he, case Todd running around in the mountains of Montana. Yeah. yeah right. I, I did go to Montana for a bit and then yep. I uh, joined the, or went into the sanitary process industry as a welder and pipe fitter. Yep. I knew that wow. you were a welder. You've done a lot of welding on the uh, things that we have up uh-huh. at the systems integration lab. So what, what drove you changing from welding pipe fitting to going back to school and being a, desk nerd (laughs) um well i I wanted more i wanted to be able to design and influence what was going on in the field so um actually before eps i was working as a mechanical designer and program manager in sanitary process as well helping design sanitary plants for beverage and co-packing facilities where are you from uh visalia california wow but i grew up in park city utah so you went from california park city had a little stint in Montana. Yep. Went back to California. Went back to California. Came back to Utah. All right. Been here for five years. Cool. So where you, you're currently working on your master's, right? Nope. Still undergraduate. Undergraduate oh, in mechanical okay. and aerospace engineering. Up did, at USU. Yep. Did you hear that? He doesn't even have one degree. Do you have one degree? Do you have any? Oh, well. You have no, associates yeah, or? Nope. He doesn't I even have, have one degree, Spencer. Welding certificates. Well, there you go. That's good. And we're, heavy machinery. We're doing this as Spencer's draw drops because... I'm so excited to have you on right now, Case. <laughs> you have no idea. This makes me, makes me excited. I don't have any degrees either, but as you and I will both know, experience sometimes, not all the time, will out-trump a degree. Certainly. And I, I guess, right well, time. I digress, right? <laughs> Somebody that has just graduated with a degree, typically early to mid-20s, right? But people like you and I that have been working for years in the industry have a lot of experience, and that's something to take into account as well. Yeah, it's definitely helped a lot too in working now here at EPS for sure. It gets you in a lot of doors, it does. right? It does. They ask you, let me see your experience, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you go in and you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to pipe weld this. I'll, I'll do a root pass and then a, you know, a cover pass and all that kind of stuff. And your engineers are like, I know what a root pass is, but I don't know how to do a root pass. Oh yeah. And then you have somebody that just picks up the, the tools and does it right and learns. So experience, I don't think Trump's degrees. I don't think degrees Trump experience, but when you have somebody like case here 
that has the experience and has the dedication to go back to school to get the degree, you're only setting yourself up for a lot much further excess, uh, or success in, uh, in the industry, whatever it is you choose to do. And, yeah. and one reason you can go to college is to learn how to speak English, because he just said a lot much. <laughs> a lot a much. Lot, a lot much. I think my English has gotten worse since I'm a dumb, <laughs> I started. Hey, you know I'm a dumb grunt. I don't know how to speak properly. <laughs> I don't know words. It's, it's, it's true. So um, you got a lot of your experience in the work industry and in out actually out getting hands-on experience yep. and then you decided that uh you know what i don't want to build other people's designs i want to build my own design so you're back in school yep applause to you sir thank you want a little more freedom too yeah that was another thing a little bit more freedom yeah as far as not working 80 hour weeks and yeah dying out in the sun all day spencer doesn't know what that means he's like oh, <laughs> what do you mean only 80 hours only, <laughs> I get it. No, I totally get it. Okay, so you're in school up at USU right now, working on your undergraduate, but uh, your experience has put you in a position right now as PP PP and C analyst. What does the PP and C stand for? Let's have Pro it. Program planner and control analyst. There you go. What does that mean? What do you do? <laughs> I know what it means. I know what you do, but let's let our listeners. Yep. Um, I help with. Uh, the planning of programs that are coming up in the company, uh, analyzing what we've come up with for those schedules, budgets, and then also helping on uh, team level, time tracking, efficiency, um, and then implementing earned value management, all these sorts of things in the program management side of things. Very good. Is that something that you're looking in the future to do is program management? Yeah, I think eventually down the road that'd be the ideal because that's kind of what PPNC is like the step below program management, right? And yep. and your PM that you have, Ryan, I mean, he's fantastic. We've had him on the podcast and and he's a, a mad scientist, a mad genius. He builds some crazy projects on his own. And uh, in my personal opinion, to have a, a manager, supervisor, boss, whatever you want to call it, you couldn't ask for a better one than Ryan. No, definitely not. He's a great mentor and boss. Yep. I got to wonder, though. So you were doing sanitation? Uh, sanitary process. So sanitary food, process. Food production. Sanitary is a lot different than sanitary. sanitary. That's true. Well, there is some aspect of sanitation you, we did. You're thinking more of like... Sewers and well, and and uh, I was not thinking that when he talked water about Water processing plants. plants. I... I Okay, we're going to get caught up on the words I used. My question mm -hmm. was going to be, how do you go from that to aerospace? And you like, want to give me crap about always. English speaking. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so my, yeah, de let's, my degree is in aerospace engineering, so okay. the hope was eventually to go to it probably. <laughs> um, but our recruiter reached out to me actually and asked if I'd like to interview for the position out of the blue. And Christy. Christy, yeah. She got a hold of you. Hit me up on LinkedIn and I... Wasn't sure that it was real at first. Uh, I was like, <laughs> Why is this big company like hitting me up? Because I came from a five-person company, pretty much. Sure. Um, so EPS was gigantic to me. So, well, I mean, we're like 150 people, so five people to 150. Yeah, it could seem pretty big. Yeah. And and how long have you been in Cash Valley now? Five years. Five. So you've been back, and and you're in Logan, this area. Yep. Yeah. So I've left for a few summers, 
two summers ago, I spent the whole summer in New Orleans, and then I'll spend summers oh, in yeah. California or wherever the jobs were before that. It yeah. gets tired doing that, doesn't it? It does. I, I thought I, I thought that's what I wanted for my whole life when yeah. I was younger, and then now it's like kind of getting old. Yeah, I did a stint in the oil fields, and I was like, this is great. The money's awesome and everything. And then I realized like two weeks on, two weeks off, it sounds good. But when you live on the West Coast and you have to go to North Dakota for work, like you're two weeks off, it's not two weeks off. It's like two days of travel each direction. So I get it, man. And then the stress of finding your next job after you're done with a contract, you got to find your next one. My dad did that his whole life. He was, after he got out of the Navy, he was an oil and gas engineer. And it was, that's why we moved around so much. So, I mean, if you're a single guy and that's kind of the, or girl, doesn't matter, (laughs) you know, whatever. We're all inclusive here. Amen. It, uh, it seems appealing. And then when you get into doing it, it definitely takes a certain personality to be able to, to do that contract work. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that was a big part about coming to EPS too, was the stability of working for a company versus being the company and finding the work constantly. Sure. I mean, they kind of have their like, they totally have the pros and cons, right? You work for a big company and now you work for the man. Whereas opposed like, like all your work is here. This is what you got to do. You don't have to worry about going out and finding work for yourself and all that kind of stuff. But, you don't have the freedom to do what it is that you're going to do. So freedom, stability, and I guess you chose stability, which is perfectly fine. Yep. Cool. What a, so a five person company, how do you even get into that? Like, just know the right people. Uh, was it was it a bunch of you and your buddies yeah, sitting just, in the hey garage, guys, be good. you know, just like, Hey, let's do this kind of thing. No, it was uh, some people I'd worked for before as a welder and all those sorts of things. And Well, sure. You saw those all the time out in the oil fields and yeah. everything. You'd have, you know, contractors that had come out and mm-hmm. it'd be like four or five dudes. They'd come out and weld some pipe for you or you're like your ra- roustabouts or whatnot. You yeah. know, like four or five guys would come in and put your fencing up for you and then take off. Yep. And only two of us were in the sanitary side. So the rest were in nuclear uh, power and... Uh, heavy mining. Yeah. So <laughs> that is such a broad business concept. <laughs> it is. But you know what the the thing about it is is it's good to get that experience over those multiple disciplines, right? Yeah. Because it makes you knowledgeable in a lot of different areas, right? You may yeah. not be an expert in every single area, but you have a lot of knowledge, a lot of different disciplines that can help and that's helped you at eps to be successful definitely yeah and a big change coming to eps too was when i worked at that company we were the designers engineers procurement people pms everything mm-hmm. right so coming here we have buyers and everything it's pretty awesome which is awesome but then it's also kind of a little bit frustrating because now the fate of your parts coming in is upon somebody else right that's true, but it also allows you to focus more and do more things at once in right. your area of expertise versus having to do everything. Which is great. It All is. right, so six months ago, you get hired on at EP Systems, and uh, what was it? Uh, 
two, two and a half months ago, something like that, you drove our awesome mobile mic across country to go to Oshkosh. Tell oh, us, some, tell no. us about that experience. Let's hear about Oshkosh. Case. Yeah. Uh, do you want to hear about the project or just the trip itself? Let, Everything. No, let's talk about mobile mic. We've talked ah. about it before on the podcast, but I know that you're heavily involved in this. Yep. And uh, it's kind of your baby kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, let's talk about mobile mic and, and what it does and, and what it can offer our customers in the future of urban air mobility. Okay. So mobile mic is our mobile refueling uh, solution to aerospace or yeah, to aerospace applications. So instead of your fuel truck driving out onto the tarmac, you would have mobile mic that's loaded up with a DC fast charging and coolant system that you can pull up to the side of your EDA 40 or whatever it might be and hook it up charge in 20 minutes and pull it off and get going. So I know that we're working with Diamond to do the EDA 40, right? And that's kind of um, what mobile mic, like when we were at Oshkosh, it's like we had the our mock-up of what the EDA 40 is going to be. Diamond had a, a DA 40 with our mock-ups on it and everything. and um, But it's not specific to the Diamond. No, it is not. It uses uh, the CCS1 charging standard. And and let's talk about what CCS1 is. I know what it is. Spencer knows what it is. Mm-hmm. But there are people out there listening that hear the acronyms and they're like, I don't know what a CCS1 is. So what's a CCS1? Um, well, it's a charging standard. So it is a type of charging uh, interface mm-hmm. commonly used on other vehicles out there. Um, so there's, that's about as much as I can explain. Is I'm is not, it a, a common charging interface for like electric vehicles? It is, yeah. Okay, so we're taking the CCS1 from basically EVs yep. and, and applying it to aerospace. Correct. So it's more the, we call it, you know, the, the gun or the, the charging pistol mm-hmm. that you plug in. So it's kind of like the plug that you plug into the wall. Mm-hmm. And then you can upsize or downsize the cording, the the cable that goes into it for the amount of power throughput you want to do. And you guys thought about this long and hard and very specifically about that. Like we want to have common parts across Mm -hmm. electric vehicles and aircraft because it's already been proven through electric vehicles. Paradigm. You don't want to say, Oh, we're totally changing everything about an airplane, making it electric. Let's not change that one part of an EV. You're just making custom. more work for yourself if you do. Right. And <laughs> right? also for the marketing team, you got to sell people on it, right? Ayo. Right. Well, I mean, you're, you're, they're already doing like Tesla's charge across America and their, their fast charge stations and everything. And, and the public is already like, yeah, this is great. So why not take that already proven technology and apply it to aerospace? Exactly. So that's the plan, and then everything behind the CCS1 receptacle will be our own fast charging solution that allows us to do 20 minutes. Why is it important to have that 20-minute fast charge? Um, So you're not doing four or five-hour trickle charges on the tarmac in between flights, so you can turn a a student plane around by the time they do their debrief and all that, and then their next check. That makes a lot of sense. People okay. want to get, they want to get in their plane and fly. I think that's, that's the interesting thing you hear about mobile mic is, you know, the, cause the conversation is, well, I can get my FBO fuel truck on the tarmac and fuel it up and turn it around in 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I don't even know what the time frame is. 
Is, I'm not too sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's around there. So that was kind of the argument when I've talked to a lot of people is how do you, you know, how fast is this going to charge? It's like, well, 15, 20 minutes, 3C, you know, and they're like, whoa. Well, I mean, all three of us were out at Oshkosh, yeah. right, at different times. Case refused to take me to the airport on my flight out, so I had to. He was uh, tired. It was a long trip. Oh, I'm tired. So we got to talk sad. about that, though. We will. Because that was an awesome trip. I mean, terrible trip for him. <laughs> but awesome. uh We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> what I'm getting at, though, is like all three of us were at Oshkosh. And I know personally for myself, they would come up and look at our display for the electric charge, you know, like our, our battery modules and everything. But the number one question I was asked was, how fast does it charge? Mm -hmm. yep. And how fast can we turn this around? Mm -hmm. yep. Right? So it's important to be able to show potential customers and future clients and everything that you can get this done in 15, 20 minutes, or yep. you can trickle charge it for four, five, eight hours yep. in your hangar, plug it in, let it do its thing. If you're not a, a flight school that's trying to turn around flight after flight, if you're somebody that has millions of dollars and you just want your own electric airplane, you don't necessarily have to have, the DC fast charge. Certainly. And that's the good part about using the CCS1 is anyone can hook up a CCS1 sure. charger. You just got to have 240, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he hesitated as with that. As long as you know yeah. what you're doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I certainly don't, but uh, so so that's the that's the joke and this will lead into his story because I think it's you know, could we could we charge mobile mic at like a like a normal EV fueling station if you if you're driving into let's say one small tarmac to another to fill up aircraft? Um, and the other question is: is will mobile mic be an electric truck? Uh, yes, mobile mic will be an electric truck mm. eventually. Uh, eventually, right. it, it will be driven off of its own supply. So. Off the bus bar, so so yeah. that's that's another question that I have that I don't think that we've had answered yet mm. here in in our October of infrastructure. Mm. Um, how do you charge mobile mic? It's a fantastic question. Well, I'm hoping I, for a fantastic <laughs> answer. <laughs> I don't have an answer for that at this time. Okay. Well, because you, you can charge it overnight kind of trickle charge it right sure um i don't think that's the end all so. well right now it's a gas engine and yeah yeah the one with the, the mock-up we have right and so i want to hear about the experience that case had here with gas driving uh, from logan utah to oshkosh wisconsin how many miles is that by the way i think it's 1300 each way 1300 miles yeah <sighs> No big deal. No biggie. Uh, what, what happened on that trip? Lots of things happened. <laughs> um, Don't be ashamed. <laughs> yeah, one day as we were, so we had a few close calls. So the, the fuel gauge in that truck likes to go pretty slow, and then the last quarter tank, it just goes to empty. Mm -hmm. So as soon as it hits a quarter, it just drops out. Um, so one day we got caught limping down the side of the highway because the engine limits itself to 30 miles an hour when it hits a certain amount of fuel. <laughs> so we did about 30 miles an hour in the middle of, I don't know, Nebraska or what, Iowa, whatever it was. Uh, barely made it to the gas station. And then later on that night, we were about 30 minutes outside of wherever we were staying finally after 14 hours of driving. 
and um, the light came on, and the closest gas station was two miles off the highway in a cornfield, pretty much. <laughs> so we pull off, get to that gas station. Lights are on on it. It's about midnight, 1230 at night. Um, lights are on. You can see people in the in the station. So we pull up to the uh, pump. I tell Ryan, maybe we shouldn't shut the ga- uh, the engine off until we know that there's gas here. And he's like, ah, it's all right. Shuts it off. We hop out, go to pay, and it says register closed. Uh, <laughs> and so we go inside, or Ryan goes inside and says, hey, I'll pay you this much money. Please just reopen it. We're in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, nope, sorry. Too bad. So sad. <laughs> and this is, like, it's literally cornfields around yeah, so we end up walking a mile and a half into town, and we don't have any gas cans or anything. And uh, so there's one farm gas station that sold diesel, and walk all the way there. And while we're walking there, we're picking bottles out of the trash to get receptacles to fuel up with diesel. Fill up with diesel, walk back, put about I think it was like one and a quarter gallon in with like soda bottles we found, and then it worked. So got it started again, back on the road. Wow. You do what you got to do, right? Yes, sir. Well, see, that'll be the nice thing about when mobile mic's all electric, because mm-hmm. then you'll have that big bread truck full exactly. of batteries, and, and your range is like, let's just drive across America, because yeah. Yeah. we can do it. I, I, I wasn't asking the question of how would we charge mobile mic, it, the truck itself. I mean the infrastructure on the back of mobile mic, right? So we have all of our battery modules in the back of mobile mic. We use that to charge our airplanes. Yep. You can only charge so many times before all of our modules are dead. How do we keep those topped off and, and full of juice to oh, charge? So between refueling of the planes, you would just pull it back to a base, uh, base camp, whatever you want to call it, and plug it back in. Like an EV. Like an EV. Well, it is an EV. So just plug it in and keep yep. it topped off. And I think that goes kind of hand in hand with what we were talking with David Koch and Ryan and, and uh, Dan Bosco about um, grid storage mm-hmm. at right. airports and whatnot, right? So if you have a massive grid storage that's out there that's drawing energy off of the grid at off-peak hours, you know, and then you take your mobile mic and you plug it in and now it's good to go. I got asked, I don't know how many times by a bunch of old curmudgeons that are flying, you know, ICE engines and everything. Well, what happens if you run out of electricity? And I turn around and ask him, what happens if you run out of gas? What do you do? Well, I land and I get a fuel truck to come out to me. And then I turn around and I point to mobile mic. I would say, there's a fuel truck. It may not be a tanker full of, you know, Dinosaur juice. Jet A. Dinosaur or, yeah. <laughs> basically, you know, it's, they, you, they can come out to you. And, and we talked a lot about that, like here at Logan, right? We have a hangar at Logan. So we'll be able to put mobile mic out there at Logan Internet or International <laughs> <laughs> Regional, <laughs> Logan Regional. Um, but I know a lot of the students at like USU and leading edge aviation and everything, when they do their cross country flights, they have to fly from here to Pocatello, Pocatello to Brigham city, and then Brigham city back up to Logan. Well, how do you refuel your plane in Pocatello? You drive your mobile mic up there and they're sitting there waiting for them when they land and they charge or 
Pocatello has their own mobile mic that's up there and they land and the truck comes out and charges and then you take off and you're good to go again. What are some of the uh, biggest challenges that you're, you're facing with this right now? With mobile mic? With, with any of the infrastructure stuff that we're seeing right now. What are some of the biggest challenges and, and how are you helping Ryan and the Bohm squad overcome those? Yeah. Um, He's got to think about that. Yeah. Take your time. It's a big question. Um, probably not the best person to ask because I mainly just focus on the scheduling, not so much the technical, but it would schedule be, is this, just as important say, what's, as what's technical. The schedule. What are what are the concerns with schedule? Like, what have you seen? Uh, I guess it depends. Can we talk about? Sorry, and this will go have to be edited. <laughs> but can you talk about like module delays and stuff? Well, I mean, there's always delays in development and all that right. kind of okay. stuff, and it's it's not necessarily delays with with module development, you know, because you always want to put forth the best product for your customer, right? And so, in any kind of development, there are going to be delays. I'm I'm getting more at like talking with local airports or regional airports or that kind of stuff. Maybe it's oh, the certification to get these things in place or the infrastructure, you know, the actual hardwired yeah. lines going to your hangar. To ask about that. Well, I, I appreciate your honesty. So let's yeah. change subjects and talk about something different then. Sounds good. I think actually David Koch and, and Ryan oh, really covered that quite a bit. Otherwise, the stuff I would have to say is, I think, too internal. Sure. Sure. So we'll we'll just schedule. skip right over top of that. He skips to the schedule. What a <laughs> so since you've started taking over the schedule, um, what a kind of what is the uh, he doesn't know the answer to that question about the <laughs> just how many delays have we seen just from so many design and and testing, you know how frequent is that in charging infrastructure specifically? Yeah, yeah. Across what you do, it's pretty common. But I think that's the nature of right. kind of cutting edge and a startup in some sense of you got to fail a bunch to succeed in the, eventually. You can't let those failures bring you down, right? You got to exactly. take lessons learned from those situations and and uh, apply it to your next iteration. Exactly. Right? And you guys are doing a fantastic job up there uh, with the bomb squad up at Hyde Park doing that kind of stuff. How close are you to being done with your degree? I will graduate in the spring. Ooh. In springtime? Yep. With so. your bachelor's in? Mechanical and aerospace engineering and right. a minor in mathematics. Ugh, math? Really? <laughs> That's all you do in engineering is math, though. Yeah, it's, Ugh. it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun? Oh, gosh. Funny side note. Funny side note. Case likes to play chess. Are you a chess guy? I am a chess guy. That wow. was that was a big part of the Oshkosh trip was Ryan and I playing chess and Did you beat him? Uh in speed chess, yeah. And then I think I beat him once in traditional while we were out there. How many times did you play? Uh we probably played like 10, 15 times wow. a night. Oh night. I uh Ooh. I I've I've played 
case in in chess. I lost. <laughs> I was yeah, excited. We actually, we I was have a chess scoreboard in our office. Right. I think I got some tips and tactics and tricks now. Next time I come up and you're actually at work and not at school. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. What is your schedule? Monday through Thursday? At work or yeah. just in general? Uh, I it, work it, Monday. I work pretty much the whole week and then I normally take one or two days to work remote and or just completely dedicate to school. All right. Next time I'm up at Hyde Park and you're up there, we got to have uh, round two. Sounds good. We'll I'll play, lose uh, again. He's gonna play speed chess this say. time. Speed chess. Yeah, we'll play three minutes. Three minutes. Each Ooh. side gets three minutes. Yep. Per turn. No, uh, the whole. The whole, the whole thing. So you get a you get a clock, and every time you're done with your move, you stop your clock, and it starts the other clock. Oh boy. So by the time. So the so game only takes run. six minutes. Yep. Oh, yeah. yep. I'm down. Let's do it. Okay. So. We're almost out of time. 30 minutes goes by pretty quick, doesn't it? it does. So I'm going to give you these last couple of minutes to just kind of talk about why you like EPS and and uh, encourage anybody else that might be interested in this field to, to look at EP systems. Yeah. Go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really enjoy the culture here and how it's not so work yourself to death. And um, that, that was a big thing to me was – being able to have some flexibility of work and have some balance between work and life. So that's probably my biggest thing. And then also the technology that we're working on is pretty interesting. Well, I mean, if you want to be in an aerospace company, there's not a whole lot in Logan, Utah. <laughs> and yeah. If you, it's a great location as well. If you like the outdoors and for sure, yep. not just hunting, fishing, that kind of stuff. There's hiking. And hiking, right now we're biking. right in the middle of the fall. So Ooh. when you go up into the mountains, it's the, the fall colors are absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Off-roading, whatever you want to do. What do you like to do? Uh, pretty much everything you've named. Oh, well, that's good. A lot good. of hiking, go. uh, yeah, fly fishing, bit of, not so much hunting because I don't have the time, but Mm, some target shooting that's it that's an excuse (laughs) that is is an excuse i'm going to hawaii tomorrow okay and then i'll be back next wednesday and i will be out hunting thursday friday saturday sunday so you just if that's something you like to do you got to make it happen okay i'll be studying for my orbital mechanics midterm that doesn't sound as fun (laughs) (laughs) Midterms hunting, midterms mm, hunting. I guess it's all about man. dedication, right? Yeah. Well, thanks, Case, for coming on and mm-hmm. and uh, telling us your role at EP Systems. I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Parkinson. Yeah, thank you, Case. Uh, his name is Case Todd. We say Todd Case, Case Todd, Todd Case, Case and Todd. Great name. Two first names, kind of like Ricky <laughs> Bobby. There's your Talladega Night shout out. Anyways, thanks everyone for listening this week to the Aviation Renaissance. Give us a listen, five-star review. Go to our website at epsenergy.com as we have more exciting news coming out, and we'll see you next week.